quote, I would never have believed that without instruction, nature could have supplied a most ready and vigorous eloquence which I have admired in many Huron or more clear-sightedness in public affairs, or a more discreet management in the things to which they are accustomed. They nearly all show more intelligence in their business, in their speeches, courtesies, intercourse, tricks, and subtleties, than do the shrewdest merchants and citizens of France. End quote. This is from The Dawn of Everything by David Graeber and David Wengro. Well, what can I tell you? What is this? Who are we? What am I indeed without instruction? What do we see here? I had a talk with a friend yesterday that cleared up some things for me that will never be addressed in the gun debate. Anyone owning a firearm for self-defense, I state it now, is beyond me. I don't care. The subject here is not the point, the gun. My friend's response and another today was, dude, you live in a safe neighborhood. <laughs> now the holes are so wide open here that I won't bother except to murmur, where does Matthew McConaughey live? And only conclude, here do I see the unmistakable signs of instruction. The excuse is or was an instruction. It is the standard bluff. Concealing what? I don't know. The truth, as Jim Jeffries might say, is you like guns. Just admit it. Only here, there are millions who do, but need an excuse for the liking. Self-defense. Not in the Second Amendment. Nowhere. And so it goes in most encounters, provocations, thoughts, and their abrasions when I run up on the instructed. How can my bag of ruminations, broken thoughts, snatches of poems ever be accepted or found useful by the instructed? I think they think I am attacking their instruction, which they probably hold dear, and that is not good if true. Do we not, as we go along, read things, many even not being instructed to read them, and say, yeah, I get that, that makes sense, I will adopt that as a thought, where really it is just easier than thinking, it is unexamined. Mulling the history and traditions thing again, one looks back at the litanies. I see a long, long line of patriarchies. That's all. Kingdoms, invasions, colonies, empires, corporations, all one. The great agreement to heed the instructor. So we all think, thus we are. We see the tyrannies around us and say, yes, but I think they are within us. So we study them and find what? Ourselves or precedent for bad behaviors. It seems more to me like having an alcoholic dad. And the family, fill in your country here, spends its life enabling, accommodating. We are a culture of exactly that, accommodating a drunk dad. Then even worse, we let the alcoholic write the book, allowing him to insist that his vanities and jealousies were really at the center of our being. We let Caesar write the book, then we read it and marveled. We recreate him over and over, versions of the Godfather. And what did he do? What was his stock and trade? Killing. To dominate. 
And what is domination, good people, but fear of inadequacy, fear of being found wanting in the deepest of ways, the fear of every fascist manifestly destined. Killing is a skill at Caesar's level, respectable in a world that valued killing. And this is still where we live. And he is said by some to be the greatest man in history. So we have decided what a great man is, that man. And he doesn't surround us. He is within us. That's why he exists. It is good to say it. Greatness to us is killing. For a cause, you tell me. 70 million military personnel fought in World War I. 6,000 dead per day. Dead, not wounded. A total 20 million dead soldiers and civilians. We seem almost reassured by it. Admire the cause so many were willing to die for. To what end? It seems to have defined life. A kind of mass martyrdom was World War I. And so brutal, the gassing, a switch was flipped, one atrocity on one side leading inevitably an, uh, to another by the other, and they competed. Who could be the most unspeakable? This is us. And the reason for fighting I haven't found yet. A war to end all wars. Then... 20 years later. Invasion through fear of invasion. Russia versus NATO. Aha. The man says on TV, Western Europe knows what it is to be invaded as if Stalingrad never happened. One-upmanship on causes. I'm guilty. What is it really? Patriarchal vanity. In the US, it is blatant. Life is not worth living unless we all and, and all of you acknowledge our inherent superiority. What is life unless I'm superior? It'd be funny if it weren't sick. And Trump, Trump, here is the symptom. The scorn poured on his supporters, whose civil war like were yesterday's brothers, is total abdication of responsibility. If the multicolored USA is so lovely to anticipate, and it is for me, why has my side been so unpersuasive, so incapable of convincing 75 million people of the possibility? Well, Answer me this. How can you fantasize a past, a virgin birth of America, and acknowledge the victims of the reality of that birth? That takes some instructing. The whole hemisphere was an unknown to the people who said they knew it all. It grows on me more and more. It was the culture clash to end them all. And the result reflected only one culture. It wasn't survival of the fittest, but survival of the meanest. The bullies, trained for a thousand years in bullying by our Caesars. It is broke, it needs fixing. But not with this God presiding. This God has served some vile purpose, but is no longer sustainable, enableable. That really should be a word. Perhaps he held sway in the rougher times. He was responsible for most of the rough we do not live in a kinder, gentler age, really. We just kill more efficiently. There is no point looking to that God, whatever you call him. Once he is gone, I'd also clear out the liquor cabinet and the opioids, the drug of his raging faithful. I've heard prayer is the answer to addiction, prayer as methadone, or swapping addiction, anything to avoid the truth. The last piece of evidence that it's broke, a world gone wrong, is our poor old wheezing Mother Earth mother. But at the beginning of the act, 
pandemic, people stopped driving for two weeks and she took a huge deep breath. The sky sparkled. It was this patriarchy that brung us here to the verge of extinction. It is the one that, that has the rich planning an escape while the poor will be the first, are always the first to go. Growth, innovation, productivity, says every fucking neoliberal. Measure the carbon footprint of these three, do, and realize the epic of moron we have chained ourselves to. Stop it. So stupid. And it all dissolves down to, compresses to a simple insistence that we are surrounded by an enemy that is in fact within us, instructed in us. And the days of our lives, look at the news, are spent stabbing and shooting at it in blind male rages we have decided is civilization, which is understandable. The bully wins. We Westerners complain our competitive ardor is the key to what? Da Vinci earned his ducats inventing weapons of war, of mass destruction. When life is about death, it is easy to get ahead. The European answer, her wretched god demanding the crushing of anything as far as the eye could see with more and more powerful telescopes and even still after nearly 300 years of industrialized values and the sewer it makes, just two weeks of not being, not living the normal the routine, the inflexible grind, two weeks, the planet breathed. Now that's power. And perhaps the great gormandizer, the glutton, has bit off more than he can chew with his last disdain of woman, Roe versus Wade. What a notch on his symbolic gun belt, a small allowance clawed from his moor 50 years ago. But don't polish your vanity too soon, Sammy. There is resistance on the wind. There is even talk of clinics being set up on tribal land over which Texas, etc. hath no dominion. I'd not assume it. If white women have been marginalized, except when they be pretend men, the indigenous have been annihilated. But who knows? It is an alliance of nature, I think. An alliance indeed. I've been listening to the radio as I'm driving. It's arising. Women rising. It's an amazing thing to think when the conquistadors and Puritans came to colonize and brought their hideous psychotic god with them. The people they encountered had so many answers. Had they listened? Could they have? Some did. But Christianity proscribes listening, proscribes, proscribes listening. Look it up. It is about instruction. The quote that opens this piece was written by a Jesuit. There's a story, a fab one really, about Alexander the G, the great. Julius Caesar wept, in parentheses, when he realized after butchering some Spaniards, he was already too old to match the conquest of man who died at 32. How Jordan Peterson of Caesar end paragraph, that when he, Alexander, reached India, his Macedonians said, no mass, no more. There was a mutiny, and he jumped into the midst of them. His generals thought the troops would tear him to pieces. Listen, O oh senators and congressmen from the capital. But the troops didn't. He talked, they talked, take heed again. Then he caved and agreed to go home. Just as a story, he is pretty magnificent. But what about the army? What happened there? They selected a captain to speak for them, who made one hell of a speech, and it all ended in tears. 
we are told, and grizzled soldiers then and since have believed the story. What did we create with those insurrectionists and those senators and those congressmen that not one could have jumped amongst the other and ended it in tears? Yes, yes, I am using a conqueror to make the point. I think there are roots to that tree, but it is really a discussion about relationship and that mystical myth called power. It is a given thing. Who gives it is deeper than who it is given to. Our narratives all focus on the one it's given to and his or her myth. After we, here we have ended up 2,500 years later with Trump nearer a Caesar than an Alexander, but not so brave. And what might one say to his men and women, the, one, the ones who give him power or the men and women who choose the ones who lost to him? Oh yes, that's us. We know who the founders want us to be, them. The electors were to be a special, a cut above, well instructed and healed. The prevailing thing was that the lower orders were not capable of real thinking or judgment. The enlightenment was not specific, but the smarter ones said the lower orders had not the leisure occupied as they were digging ditches. I have dug a ditch or two, and it did not stop me thinking. What the enlighteners meant, which is true, is you cannot dig a ditch and read, which means you cannot be instructed. If one cannot read, one cannot learn to express oneself in the ludicrous prose we still fall for every time a Hitchens quips. It is marvellous, but it is a game, no better than an alley-oop. His, Hitch's mind, was a weapon of war best used when he meant it, and he often jumped into angry mobs, and sadly never once did I see a man or a woman of the ranks respond. There was never a discussion. The forum did not allow it. The forum is for superiors to speak and inferiors to listen. Maybe the tickets cost too much. So the wars, discussions about our natures, were fought behind closed doors, closed to the lower order that Alexander just jumped into. He believed he was a god. It was a thing back then, before the pious took hold and huddled beneath the sky. But what were his men then? What is that concoction of faith and pragmatism, that self-respect that is at the heart of any mutiny? A god was different, was different too for them. Not always right, perfect, obviously. The Greek pantheon, in fact, looks much more like a list of pathologies in modern psychology than a perfect omniscient being, but of that another day may be. To focus my story, we have been instructed that our history, Western, the last 2,000 years, to be generous, is a reflection of the human condition in all its variety and potentials, and the world gone wrongness, which is more and more undeniable every day, is somehow the work of a devil. possibly a lack of moderation for the enlightened. I think it is the enabling of the alcoholic behind the wheel. There is no fixing it. There is only starting again. And it's not that hard because do not send him to rehab. He doesn't change. It's not that hard because as long as patriarchy has been the dance we choose, the other or its shadow has been there. Parallel. Perhaps 
but breathing deep and staying strong. It is the other, the woman, if you like, that is moving her slow thighs. And now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep are vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast! The poem is a warning. But what if it wasn't? Another Alexander. He meets the famous Diogenes in Corinth, I think. Alex is late teens and already quite a handful. This is Arian, not an eyewitness, but a soldier, so reliable. When also, in quotations, when also in the Isthmus, he met Diogenes of Sinope, lying in the sun, standing near him with his shield-bearing guards and foot companions. He asked Diogenes if he wanted anything. But Diogenes said that he wanted nothing else except that he and his attendants would stand out of the sun. Alexander is said to have expressed his admiration of Diogenes' conduct. He is said to have said something like, if I were not Alexander, I would hope to be Diogenes. And to be clear, Diogenes was lying mostly naked in the street, not in black tie at the White House. Yes, things change. This is an anecdote and has nothing to do with the equality and relevance of women, but it sheds lights on the fragility of the we are the paragon argument, guys. The Brit lefties are having fun with Boris, but why didn't you beat him? Huh? How sad and unpersuasive were you? And listening to the vocabulary-starved opposition, I can see why he won. And I support none of his politics. Passing through New Mexico, it is breathtaking. God without mankind. And I see one black cow on a vast expanse of land. Just her. She's fine. Munching away. But no herd. And I thought, is she all right? Without her herd? Apparently. Apparently.